Welcome to Anchor Church's podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Nick as he talks about the good and the bad that Christianity has done in our world. Ultimately, answering the question, what if Jesus was never born? Let's listen in. A few years ago, my in-laws were hosting three British interns at their house, and I had to go pick them up for a meeting. And while I was there, the door was left open and the dog slipped out. Now, this wasn't just any dog. This was Titus, who used to be Hannah's dog. And they didn't just live in any neighborhood. This was a house that was just a block away from a major road, which I like to call the Titus Killer. And so immediately, the four of us leaped into action. We became this sort of transatlantic rescue squad. And we did everything. We chased after Titus. We circled him. We, we pretended to have a treat to get his attention. But nothing we did worked. Titus was totally unfazed until we ran into the house to get a nice, juicy piece of ham. One that Titus could not resist. I mean, the smell was everywhere. It's nice, wet, juicy, gross. He would have loved it. And so we ran out. We caught up to him just within like half a block. And we took this ham. The four of us stood right next to each other. And we tossed the ham right up to Titus. And he stared at the ham. And we stared at him. And he began to inch up. And then we inched up a little more. And then he moved a few more steps forward. We moved a few more steps forward. He sniffed the air. We sniffed the air. We locked eyes with this dog. And we were just within reach of him. And then he was on to us. He ignored the ham, dashed into the road, and boom, got hit by a truck going 50 miles an hour. I mean, I couldn't even react. I, I fell to my knees and yelled, no! I got up. The four of us went to the truck and we saw this fur ball just wrapped around the front tire of the truck. Then miraculously, it hops to its feet and he, he starts prancing out. This time he was moving a little slower. We grabbed him, got him to the van and rushed him to the vet. While we were on the way, I give uh, my mother-in-law a call, and I tell her the bad news, and she says that he jumps out of the house all the time, and what you do is you never chase after him. She said, what you do is you got to actually just let him explore, and then he always comes back. And so in that moment, what I realized is that we didn't just do wrong by leaving the door open. Our entire rescue squad basically chased Titus into the road. I mean, the operation was a bust from the start. And even though Titus survived, luckily, miraculously, Titus survived that hit. I mean, he would be recovering um, from his broken ribs for months. And you know, when I meet different people, I am shocked by the number of people I meet who are recovering from their spiritual and emotional broken ribs caused by church. Today what we're asking is, has Christianity done good or harm to society? Today what we're asking is, is Christianity basically this rescue squad chasing people into the road? You see, a lot of people see Jesus as a good teacher, maybe a good example, a good person, but they also see Jesus 
movement as regressive and oppressive. You see, for us, it would have been better that we just stayed home. Would it have been better if Jesus would never have been born? That's what we're talking about today. And I don't know where you are. Maybe for you, you may have grown up in church and after a while, your beliefs started to drift. And after a while, you've started to notice different abuse in the church, different leaders doing things that leaders shouldn't do, especially in the church, abusing their power. And even though you have had fond memories of Bible camp, and even though it crushes your parents' hearts, you are done with the church. Maybe you want nothing to do with it. Maybe for you, you're different and you've had a totally different experience with church. You had a positive experience with faith and with church and you want everybody to know Jesus the way you know Jesus. Maybe for you, you look at the world and all you see is people who are moving further and further away from God and you're confused and you're disheartened and maybe for you, you're pretty angry over it all. Or you might be somewhere in between. Like, like you've got one foot in one world and you've got another foot in another world. Like, like you want to love Jesus, but you're pretty embarrassed to be a Christian. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you're at in this, this world and, and, and how we understand Christianity today. But one thing I do believe is that deciding whether or not Christianity is harmful for society is one of the most foundational questions we are asking in our generation. And so we're going to tackle it. And we're going to start with the critics of Christianity. I'm going to talk about three different charges that I've heard against Christianity. And I want you to know if you're a Christian and you might be offended by some of the things I say, just remember I'm just the messenger. And so the first charge I'm making is that Christianity is anti-science anti-science. Christianity is anti-science. And, uh, you know, science and faith have had a complicated relationship. Sometimes they love each other. Sometimes they hate each other. Sometimes it's uh, entertaining and you see Kent Ham, the, the creation museum guy, battling it out with um, Bill Nye, the science guy. And it can be kind of fun to watch your childhood educational celebrity in debates. But this year, it's actually gotten pretty serious because Christians weren't just anti-science. Christians have been known for being anti-vaccination. And maybe you've even thought, like, what's wrong with these Christians? Why do they care more about their personal freedoms than they do about other people? The second charge is that Christianity is anti-intellectual. That, that, that faith is nothing but here giving you all the answers, whether they're right or wrong. That, that the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Maybe for you, you grew up in a church where you didn't have the right to question anybody. You were handed a set of beliefs and said, this is what you need to accept. And if you fail to accept it, if you have any doubt, then that is your problem. That is a lack of faith. And to you, you, you saw faith and intellectual discovery is at odds with one another. This former pastor, Joe Lumen, who is now this active voice uh, to dismantle oppressive systems and toxic theology, 
she actually believes that saying that the Bible is God's word is really harmful. She says that when you say that the Bible is God's word, what you're really meaning is not just that you need to believe the Bible as true, but you need to believe my interpretation of the Bible as true, unquestioned. And so though Christianity is un-anti-intellectual, anti-curiosity, anti-discovery. Thirdly, Christianity is anti-humanity. And I can't think of a better source than Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion, where he says, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sodomisticastical, capriciously malevolent bully. Basically, what he's saying is that people who believe in a God who is violent and angry and hateful become themselves violent and angry and hateful. Not only that, but we have proof. In the 1400s, while Europe is conquesting all these different areas, they, they lean on this idea of the discovery doctrine, where basically, if you're not a Christian, we can do whatever we want to because you're the enemy of Christ. We have the words of Pope Nicholas V who said, invade, search out, capture, vanquish, and subdue all the Saracens and pagans whatsoever and other enemies of Christ wheresoever placed. Now this was nearly 600 years ago, but we see elements of this anti-humanity even today in our churches. 60 Minutes Australia just did a segment on Hillsong, the church Hillsong in Australia that uh, they were covering up these sexual assaults because it would hurt their reputation. One of the most popular podcasts today in Christianity is on the church Mars Hill, which was the church of tens of thousands that imploded overnight. All the while, what they were doing was they were, uh, they were excusing and empowering a pastor who was misogynistic and was causing all kinds of spiritual trauma. And so the question is, is all this true? Are the critics right. It's Christianity, anti-science, anti-intellectual, anti-humanity. Would it have been better if Jesus were never born? You know, for me, this is a tough question because I come from a drug abuse home and church really saved my life, gave me purpose, gave me hope. But I know for a lot of you, that wasn't your experience of church. For a lot of you, church hasn't just been irrelevant to solve your problems. Church was the problem. And so we need to take that seriously, that in a lot of ways, church has failed. But we also want to take the other side of the coin. You know, I was just recently reading this book, Jesus Skeptic by uh, John Dickerson. And uh, what he talks about is just so, so crazy. I've never heard it said quite like this. He says, there's tons of evidence that Christianity has done good for society. And as I was reading this book, I was, I was amazed and I thought, this is something the world needs to know. 
And he takes it category by category by category. I just want to give you some of the highlights today. So, so if we were to start with science, you know, the scientific revolution happened. And historians will say that of the so many leaders and pioneers of the scientific revolution, 98% of them were Christians. So, so the scientific revolution, which brought us from the Stone Age to, to the modern age, really came about from Christians. Christians like jo- Johannes Kepler, who, who uh, invented glasses, eyeglasses, or Isaac Newton, who is the father of modern physics, or, or Blaise Pascal, who invented the calculator, or, or uh, John Ray, who, who was the, the father of modern biology, or, or Robert Boyle, who was the father of modern um, chemistry. And, and these weren't just nominal Christians or cultural Christians. These were devout Christians. I mean, these guys would write hundreds or thousands of pages about their faith, about theology, about poems toward God. For, for these scientists, it wasn't faith that was keeping them away from science. Faith was drawing them towards scientific discovery. They believed in a good God who created an orderly world. They believed that discovering that world was an act of worshiping God. If it wasn't for the scientific revolution, so many of the technology and the advances and comforts we have today wouldn't be there. But, but it's not just science. If you look at education, all of our modern universities and schools because of Christians. You see, before Christianity, education was basically propaganda. It was basically telling you what you had to believe. But Christianity, with its belief that God created Adam and Eve with individual thought, with autonomy to make their own decisions, were inspired to promote individual and free thinking of others. That's why When you look at the top 10 universities in the world, including Harvard, Princeton, Yale, including the uh, University of Chicago, you'd see that eight out of the 10 have distinct Christian language in their charters, and the other two were founded by all Christians. These founders were inspired by the words of scripture that said, the Lord is my light. They believed that intellectual discovery was a gift from God. Not only that, but the reason why you and I know how to read has to do with the Protestant Reformation and Protestant Christians who wanted everybody to have the right and the freedom to read the Bible for themselves. So they started schools in the 15 and 1600s, which extended till today. I want you to imagine a world where 90% of people are illiterate. This is the world that these Christians lived in before they made a change. So it's science, it's education, it's medicine. Do you see, before the modern hospital, it was only the rich who could afford healthcare because healthcare was only provided by a private doctor. But it was Christians inspired by Jesus' love and care for the poor and the sick that said, this isn't right. We need to love and care for the poor and the sick. And that's why when you look at the top hospitals today, you see that they have distinctly Christian names that their founders were Christian and their original doctors were Christian educated. There was a reason for that. They were inspired to care for others. Not only that, but we owe it to devout Christians for the advancements we have in the medical field. 
If you look at Florence Nightingale, she was the pioneer to modern nursing. Or Johns Hopkins, who founded the very first medical research center. Or Edward Jenner, who invented the very first vaccine. First vaccine. He saved more lives than anyone else in history. Or if you take slavery, for instance. I mean, today we stand in a place where we look at slavery and we say that is an inherent evil. But 2,000 years ago when Jesus lived on the earth, slavery wasn't an inherent evil. It was an inherent necessity. Slavery was baked into society. 40% of people were slaves. But all that ended when Christians decided to stand up against slavery and fight against it because... They were inspired by the words of Jesus who said, love your neighbor as yourself. They're inspired by the words of Paul who told Philemon to receive his slave Onesimus back as a brother. The Christians who were brave and risked their lives. Our very first anti-slavery literature comes from the Quakers. And, and the abolitionists fought tooth and nail against it. We have former slaves like Frederick Douglass and, and Harriet Tubman who could have lived the rest of their lives in peace, but instead they chose to fight and to protect and to serve. Why? Because the love of Christ compelled them to. We have different pastors who stood up against slavery, even at the loss of their own lives. I think of Elijah Lovejoy, who was a reverend, but he was also a newspaper editor and a journalist. And he write over and over again, about abolishing slavery. So much so that his enemies destroyed his printing press. So he was forced to move from St. Louis across the Mississippi into Alton, Illinois, where he picked up and we started over again. But later his enemies followed him there and started shooting at his warehouse with him hiding inside of it. When he thought he was clear and they had left, he stepped outside only to be shot five times. Boom, 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 boom. His death in 1837 sparked outrage throughout the country against slavery. In fact, John Brown stood up in the middle of church. He said, before God and all you witnesses, I declare that I am consecrating myself and my life to destruction of slavery. Do you see all these different advancements, all these different movements were not accidentally Christian. It's not that they would have happened if it wasn't for Christianity eventually. No, no, no. These were direct fulfillments of what Jesus said in Luke 4 when he said the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in Luke 4 Jesus is talking about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. John Dickerson, when he looks at all the different things Christianity has done, he compares Christianity to the sea otter, which biologists consider to be a keystone species because where the sea otter is, the entire ecosystem thrives because the sea otter eats the sea orchard. 
And, and when that's eaten, then the kelp forest is able to grow and thrive, which helps the entire ecosystem. And so where the sea otter is, the rest of the ecosystem thrives. And the same is true for authentic Christianity. Take South Korea, for instance. In the last century, Christianity has exploded there. And because of that, so has women's rights, so has education, so has their economy. Here's what I want to say. If you started watching this video and you weren't a Christian, I ask you to reconsider. Maybe even now you're hearing a different sort of vision of who Jesus was and what he stood for. And you're thinking that you're feeling a little compelled to it. If you're not quite ready, but maybe you're open to a uh, conversation, I would be thrilled to talk with you, hear your story, um, share any insights I may have, answer any questions I might be able to. Um, I, I've got my number right there at the bottom here. Go ahead and just text me, say, let's talk. And I'd love to plan a meeting. We'll coordinate something. We'll get coffee. We'll, we'll do something. And I'd love to talk with you more. Um, but maybe for you, you are ready. Maybe for you, you don't want to wait another day. You feel Jesus calling you to himself and to all of his purposes. And I want to encourage you right now, do not fight it, but do what, what uh, it says in Romans 10 is call on the name of the Lord. I want to invite you to do that right now. Would you pray with me? Would you say, dear God, I know that you've done some great things in this world. And I know that Christians have not always followed you, but today I want to truly follow you. So today I trust that you died for my sins, Jesus, that you rose again to give me new life. And I join you in helping advance your kingdom and your work here on this earth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If that was you, Please go ahead and comment right now, or we have a comment. You could just like that. If you prayed to start following Jesus, if you made that decision right now, we encourage you to let us know. We want to help you. We want to walk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you. And, and if you are a Christian, then my question to you is, are you a sea otter Christian? Is the world around you better because you are in it? Because Sea Otter Christianity is the only authentic Christianity. Thank you for listening to Anchor Church's podcast. Every month we upload new episodes to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with God. If you'd like to get involved further or give into the mission of Anchor, please check out anchorchurchil.com. We'll see you next time.